electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy ahead of the State of the Union address. This is our moment to change the trajectory, to put us back. You can always count on Americans to do what's right. The Republican leader on the president's economic agenda and their stalemate over the looming debt ceiling. Every time that we have actually had real fiscal reform, it came in a negotiation with a debt ceiling. Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick on the gaming giant's stalled deal with Microsoft and the power of players. The power of phones is extraordinary. And we've gone from tens of millions of customers to hundreds of millions of customers just because of the popularity of phones. Plus, movie seats getting pricier. What will they charge for next? Go with the bathrooms there too then. Adam Aaron, go ahead. And welcome to the AI wars. Google releasing an artificial intelligence chatbot. Bard implies a, um, a poem. Isn't it the Bard in San Francisco? Isn't that the subway system? No, that's the Bart. <laughs> it's Tuesday, February 7th, and a super-sized squawk pod from New York and the nation's capital. And it's very hard to find any objective truth uh, anymore. Watch Squawk Box for, how's that? For objective there you go. Truth. There you go. There's something we can all agree on. Starts right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. So we're live from Wall Street and from Washington today. Uh, some news uh, this morning. Alphabet CEO Sundar Pichai telling employees that the company will need, quote, all hands on deck to test what they're calling BARD. It's their new chat GPT rival. A message came in an internal memo that called for employees to give their feedback in the spirit of an internal hackathon. Now, that memo also said the company would soon test an application for programmers to build on top of Google's AI technology. The Google News coming as Microsoft confirming plans to host a news event today. The expectation is it's likely related to AI chatbot uh, ChatGPT. A report from the information said Microsoft plans to announce a new version of its search service Bing with a chatbot interface, and the CEO of ChatGPT tweeted a photo of himself with Microsoft's chief Satya Nadella from Redmond, Washington, home, of course, of Microsoft's headquarters there. And the expectation is that uh, the other piece of this is that they've already offered a service that's going to be offered as part of the office uh, portfolio of, of products. So if you're on using email or but this has All been a big race between the two of them, with Google kind of getting upset at how ChatGPT got out there first, got more than a million users that were it's there within the first week. It's going to be fascinating to see. I don't know. I mean, look, Google actually had the technology first. Four. Yeah. So I just don't know how it... You know, is there a first mover? I don't know how this all really works. I would also say the separate piece of this is if you have Microsoft with ChatGPT, if you have Google doing it, if you have Baidu doing it... Does it deflate the value? At some point, no. I, I mean, I always thought that this becomes a sort of commodified product service that's that it's embedded in just about everything that we touch online, I imagine. I, I, I prefer Ernie Bot. I like Ernie Bot. That's right. Bard. Bard implies a, um, 
a poem or poetry, and we, th we know who the bard is. The bard is Shakespeare, uh, uh, that famous yeah. French uh, playwright. Mm. But that, 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 or that's I was thinking of the bard. Isn't it the bard in San Francisco? Isn't that the subway system? No, that's the BART. The BART. <laughs> Bay Area Rapid Thank you. Transit. Thank you. Because I suggested to my son this week when we were there that they should have the named Bart. it the Frisco Area the Rapid Tris Transit. No, no, Andrew, no. But um, no, the BART, but, but that implies a, that's, that would be a hell of a AI uh, program to do anything even close. To what Shakespeare to anything, oh, I, Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah. Every, if it was just one person, I mean, we're so confused about. I, I can't believe anyone could be that prolific and that great and that talented. I mean, one of the great, I, I, even one of those sonnets, none of us could ever write. Now, I don't think a, a, a computer could either, could it? We're going to get to that point. Could AI ever write iambic pentameter? I guess it could, but not with the feelings of a of a you know, spurned play. lover or, or or someone that misses. I don't know. I don't know that. That's a long way off. By then, we're going to have to it's worry about uh, Terminator. If they get to that point, we're, they're not going to need us, and we're, we're going to be gone. Here I am in a jacket again, with Sorkin not in a jacket. The world, it's topsy-turvy. It's upside down. It's a bizarro world from, uh, from Seinfeld. But I, I, I mean, I can't get by without a jacket down here. Do you think in this room? No, no. I, I think you need to for the gravity of the situation, the gravity of the place, the respect that it's I got in this jacket a while ago because... Oh, <laughs> tight. I'm all right. It's just feel a little bit three stuffed three into this, hours. this thing. I had to get in a stepladder to get down into the... Uh, no, no, I'm kidding. Everything's good. Everything's wonderful. Everything's great. We got big guests across the board. Yep. Um, Bobby Kotick. Bobby Kotick. Oh, there it is. The Capitol. I came, uh, I came in. I was looking around this morning, and it's got a... You know, my birthday's January 6th. It has a whole new connotation, suddenly. Not necessarily a great one, but... Um, there it is. Beautiful, beautiful uh, sight at 5 a.m. in McCarthy the morning. McCarthy is going to be joining Joe a little bit later this morning, too. You know, I was thinking on the way in, guys. I'm, I'm looking at what the president's going to say, and I'm looking at what uh, uh, Speaker McCarthy's going to say. Do you remember when they made fun of the person that said alternate facts? Like it was a ridiculous comment yeah, to Kelly make. Conway, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and we said uh, how ridiculous that is. But today we are going to hear alternate facts that... I mean, they're so far apart on the, the view of the state of, of different the perspectives. U Maybe it's is that what it's called? I, it's like almost like disinformation, like one person's disinformation is another or misinformation. It's very hard to find any objective truth uh, anymore. But we're going to try and do that uh, down here. I know. Just read The New York Times, Andrew. I see you saying it's hard, it, it's easy to do. Just read The New York Times. But I think it gets harder and harder to uh, to find objective. I know that's what you're thinking. Watch Squawk Box for, how's that? For there you go. Truth. There you go. There's something we can all agree on. AMC Theaters announcing plans to change the way that it actually prices tickets. Get this, it sounds a little crazy, but under the new model, the seats are going to be divided into three tiers. You have the standard sight line, the value sight line, and then the preferred sight line. So the standard seats are going to be available for the normal price of a ticket. Value seats, which are those in the front row, yeah, you can get a neck crick trying to watch the movie from the front row. They're going to be sold at a lower price than the normal ticket cost. But preferred seats, those in the middle of the auditorium, will be hit with an upcharge, which AMC describes as a slight premium in price. 
A seating map will show the price differences when customers actually purchase their tickets. It seems a little crazy to me. Seems a little like when what what was it? What was the airline that was talking about charging for using the bathroom at one point? Exactly. I think it was a That's joke. exactly what I thought about. Great minds, Becky. That was uh, yeah. wasn't that Ryanair? It was Ryanair. Yeah. I think they were joking. But yeah, this is like making sure that you could charge for just about I mean, anything and everything. Exactly. I'm okay with I, it. It's you a could do it at like AMC. Exit row. Don't you pay more for the exit yeah, row? I know, but don't you hate airlines for charging you for every single stupid thing? Not if in you're a movie theater. I don't want to movie theater anyway. If you're on the side, sometimes I pick the side a little. It doesn't matter. You can still watch. That, if you have, that, an, if you have is, an aisle, an aisle is a bit, oftentimes for certain people is better than, I than guess being this, stuck in the middle I guess if you can't cheaper, go across. The cheaper price is going to be a lot less of a cheaper of a discount than the upcharge is going to be for the for the quality well, go with the, for the seats. Where go you with the them. bathrooms there too. Then uh, you right. know, Adam Aaron, go ahead. I mean, do that. Upcharge, yeah. subscriptions, blah blah blah. Hold on, but what about the nicer seats? Are you not prepared to pay more when the when well, thing is go. like a I'm bed? I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go if it's not a nicer seat. Do you know what I'm talking That's about? Really... Yeah, I, but do, do you go to the old, like, remember the old line theater? When was the last time you were in one of those theaters with, like... Where the... I didn't have a Lazy Boy? Yeah. I've sometimes gone to... The, there's one on uh, in Lincoln Center that doesn't have all the Lazy Boys. Sure. But you do, there you are do some pay left. more for those, though. But it's you nicer. Do pay, but you, you pay more, exactly. And those are reserved seats them. as well. They are. I, I like reserved seats where there's like you're the only people there. You're like, wow, glad I got this one. Um, <laughs> Good thing I bought early. Coming up on the day of the president's State of the Union address, we'll head back to the Rayburn Room at the U.S. Capitol, where Joe Kernan is joined by the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. What is the State of the Union right now? Because we're going to hear it's great tonight. It's not great. I mean, people are worried. Squawk Pod will be right back. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. (laughs) That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. This is Becky's mic. Straight up on Becky. Three, two, one. Up on Becky. Q. Good morning. Welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. We're here in Times Square. Joe is in Washington this morning. He's going to be talking to House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. That is coming up in just a moment. Joe, you ready to go? I am so ready and so is the speaker here. It's been exactly a month. It was, it was January 7th. Early in the morning, 3 a.m. I had to tell. He goes, oh, that's right. You didn't have to tell me. Now it's February 7th. So we're going to talk about, they talk about the first 100 days of a presidency. It's going to be the first. 30 days. First 30 days. First, first 30 days. The Honorable Kevin McCarthy of the state of California, having received a majority of the votes cast, is duly elected Speaker of the House of Representatives. 
That was easy, huh? After five days, 15 rounds of votes and several concessions, California Republican Kevin McCarthy was named the new Speaker of the House, setting the agenda for the 118th Congress. Speaker McCarthy joins me this morning. It's good to see you. Thank you. I hope you like being in the Rayburn Room, the Capitol. I feel the gravity. I do. Uh, And I like the wood paneling. You finally caught the bus. Yes. Are you like the dog that catches the bus? It's like, oh, my God, I got the bus. Now what? I feel very honored to be even in this position to have this opportunity. I'll tell you what, the, the, the differing things swirling around. Um, uh, would you want a rubber stamp where you get it on the first vote? Did you watch the Democrats? I mean, they are united. It was almost like the Borg collective every time. Hakeem Jeffries, Hakeem Jeffries. Okay, but put it in perspective. Two years prior, I had every Republican vote for me, too. <laughs> I, so I was right Was it Hakeem. a bad thing? Or, 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 because no, I think I'm not it, saying it was a bad thing. I'm look, saying Look, I think it was a good thing. Look, I could easily say any, any person could win it on the first round, but it takes 15 bills a little. No, this would have happened later in the year. It's better that it took place now. We are actually stronger and united. We would have had these difficulties. We, we've got a five-seat majority, so five people can stop anything. It's better to have that discussion early on. Either way. No, it, I mean, think. You got some. Of, what you're saying is you got some of it out of the way. But yeah. But still, but there's still going to be cat wrangling. Is there not? Is it not going to be difficult for you to get your caucus to, to go with you on? Okay. Everything? Look back when we had 242, we had cat wrangling. We had difficulty with high margin. I actually believe if you study the history of Congress, if you study people when they had tight majorities. They were actually more productive at times. Like if we focus and get our problems out of the way earlier, what we have to really do now on committees. Um, Work them at the very beginning of the policy. You don't pass a bill without talking to everybody in the conference and try to wrangle people to vote for it. Look what we've been able to accomplish since January 7th. We've got a bipartisan vote. 146 Democrats joined with us to put a select committee on China. We've got a bipartisan vote to stop the president from selling our SPRO, the Strategic Oil Reserve, to China. We've been able to move different pieces of legislation, repealing 87,000 IRS agents over to the Senate. So we're being very productive from the beginning. And I talked about you like off camera. It's nice. It's symbolic. We know what you want to do. You're, you're letting it. I can't believe your staff works late into the night writing all this stuff that doesn't have an ice cubes chance okay. in hell of, of getting to be legislative. And you say, well, we want the American people to know where we stand. They know where Republicans stand. It's not about where we stand. It's about getting it into law. It's not going to get into law. You have only been here 24 hours, and you're so so negative. What has happened to you? And I have a rash all over my my body. I know. Okay. Think from one perspective. I never give up. That's the approach. Had you been up for speaker on the first round, you would have quit then. No, what we're going to do is we're going to pass the bill out of the House. We're going to make sure, try to make the Senate move. We're going to make appropriations proper, start moving. We can move it in appropriations as well. You know how we've got the ability to sell, export oil and gas from America? It was during, we could pass it on the floor, but the Senate won't pass it. But we did it in divided government during the appropriation right, process. I've been here 24 hours. You, yeah, you, you, you are so here, negative. But you've been here so long, you think this is normal to go through all this stuff in appropriation. No, no. If I think it's normal, I'm trying to get the world back to normal. First thing we did, we opened the house up where the public can come to it. Next thing that we're able to do, yeah, we repeal 87,000 IRS agents. I can't help it if the Senate doesn't work, but that doesn't mean we're going to give up. Do you think the American people want this? Don't they? What? But I, I did say this. The American did, people voted for this. The American people actually like divide. Why not focus on maybe something that can actually become law? It would mean bipartisan. And I, I conceded to, to Jim Jordan 
to most people, bipartisan where means was Republican. Where, where, it means Republicans doing what Democrats want. It never no, means no, Democrats no, no. doing what Look, Republicans want. Government is designed. You're sitting in the Capitol. This whole government is designed to find compromise. The American people, 90 days ago, just voted for divided government. It's a small majority in the Senate. We have Republicans in the House and the President. The President started out this year by saying, "I'm not going to negotiate on the debt ceiling." Well, that disturbs the markets and everywhere else. Where was I last week? Sitting down with the president in the Oval Office, negotiating, just like he said in 2011, yeah. you have to negotiate. You're going to go back when to, to talk more to the president well, this week? Uh, he's going to call and we'll set up the next date. I don't have a date well, set you yet. You can't give us details on, on what was Look, discussed last week, but, but you're, it's not going to happen. There's not going to be a default. I, no, there won't be a default. Look. Well, what, what does, what does a compromise look like with the White House here when they say they're not going to negotiate? You're, you're, you're a great reporter. We're, we're not going to negotiate this in the press, but let me tell you what's going to happen. We're, we're five months away, four to five months away. We're at the beginning of February. This is the time to start working together to find compromise. In the last four years, when the Democrats controlled this, they increased discretionary spending by 30%, $400 billion. We're at $31 trillion, you know, 120% of GDP, large in our economy. Every time that we have actually had real fiscal reform, it came in a negotiation with a debt ceiling. One of the times, then Vice President Joe Biden was a part of it. Joe Biden in 2004 actually voted against raising the debt ceiling because he said the policies that brought us here, I demand that we change them. Look, we have an opportunity right now to be reasonable, to be sensible, and most importantly, to be responsible about this debt ceiling. Get, our, get ourselves on a fiscal track that we're changing the directory, that we're actually moving down, not adding more debt here, and find out where we could find common ground and let's be able to move forward. I think one of the concessions you made was what a balanced budget in, in 10 years, right? No, everybody writes about all these concessions. The rules never change from January 1st to January 7th, except Are one item. Are you going to try to balance budgets? In, yes, in, I would like to balance this Without budget. raising taxes? Look, you have more revenue than in any time in American history. We are now at 20% of revenue. But you, you haven't had this high in You would in, need to cut discretionary spending by 85% of, of, what, of what is Look, spent now to, to get down there. There's just, it doesn't go, work without, what if you're you not going to do Social Security. You have, you, have to cur you have to curve the growth of government, and you have to add, bring in even more revenue, right? But you're at 20%. You haven't had this in 77 right. years. So it's not a revenue problem. But what you have to find is individuals on both sides of the aisle sit down and be adults in this manner and solve this problem. Do you, earlier, I, I keep saying it, that, that someone laughed when uh, someone coined the term alternate facts. We're going to watch the president tonight with, with the State of the Union. And, and I've seen sort of your pre-buttle of, of what, what's going to come. And, and you can pre-butt some more uh, <laughs> right now. But people at home in the hinterlands are like, what's real and what's not? What, what are the facts? What is the State of the Union right now? Because we're going to hear it's great tonight. It's not great. I mean, people are worried. Every breakfast, people used to have eggs and think it was no big deal, just some protein. Now it's almost a specialty because the price is so high. I mean, they're worried about the fuel. They're worried about their jobs as they go. They see inflation time after again. And then when you look at the latest polling, they're worried about their government. So this is the moment, and this is the discussion I had with the president. It shouldn't be that they're worried about the government, their number one issue. Why are they worried about that? People just bickering back and forth and not solving problems. We need to do the most basic things. And what is that? Pass a budget. Get the appropriation system. Not 
bickering about a debt ceiling, but sitting down like adults and utilizing it to put us on a path to more fiscal responsibility. What they had done in those four years, they brought us inflation with that runaway spending. They know they've got to stop that. What they have done is weaken us with this idea of not making America energy independent. Then the, then the country sits here and looks at more than four million people coming across the border, that there's no security there. They watched last weekend. There's no security over our skies. A balloon just comes across with China. They're wondering, where is America? What are we doing? What are we standing for in this process? The, I mean, you were there for some of the spending, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and do you tie the, the inflation that we're seeing? You can unequivocally connect the dots between what, the, what we spent in the last two, three, four years and the amount of M2 that the, the Fed has created? Or, yeah. or was it the reopening of the pandemic and all the associated problems and the, and the lockdowns Look, you, in China, the supply chain issues, the, the Ukraine war that, that Putin launched where oil prices went over $100? There's, there's inflation around the world. How can we point specifically to things that Congress did here? You could take it every, gra every graph you could see. There's different ways that cause inflation, but the American Rescue Plan was the the straw that broke the camel's back. You see it just jump from that place. When they came in and did the two trillion, they did it all partisan. Not one Republican voted for it. And you're right, am I here during the spending? In those eight years that Republicans were in the majority when they took over in 2011, how much did discretionary spending go up during those eight years? Zero, it went down 10 billion. Democrats took over for four years after that. They increased discretionary spending by 30%, more than $400 billion. They just raised in this, um, omnibus bill, the worst way ever to do politics in the last weekends of our year with two senators that were no longer going to be here, they wrote a $1.7 trillion bill and they increased the baseline by $132 billion. That's $1.5 trillion added for the next 10 years. So if we do nothing, do you know how much we're going to pay just in interest in the next 10 years? $8 trillion. And when the CBO numbers come out in a couple weeks, it's probably going to be higher than that. Can you imagine the next decade we're paying $8 trillion just in interest? This is why this is the moment in time. Don't be negative even though you sit in Washington. Maybe my cup is always half full. That's why I can sit through 15 rounds, because I know the, what the end will look like. This is our moment to change the trajectory, to put us back. And I always believe what Winston Churchill said about America. You can always count on Americans to do what's right after they exhausted every other option. We have <laughs> done <negative>. that. <laughs> no, no, we have done that with the last four years of what the Democrats' majority have done. Now you have divided government. Now you have opportunities. There will be attempts to spend more. That's not going to happen in the next two years, I guess. It is what the Fed is trying to orchestrate right now, is, is that any way to, uh, to Look, run the Fed, economy? If, if you want to talk about inflation, the Fed could have taken action a couple of years ago on interest rates and knocked inflation down rather rapidly, and, and we wouldn't Should be in this place. Should they try to get employment back, unemployment back to 8%? Is that, is that their mandate right now? Does that make no. sense? That's what the, well, maybe not eight, I was exaggerating, but they do want a weaker jobs market. They think that that's essential. To they're, trying everything, they're trying everything right. they can. But had they acted earlier, you wouldn't have had to worry about that. You what, wouldn't have they did. What should they, they do did. now? And what should, we, what should you do now to try to well, help the, America? The first, the first thing the Fed shouldn't do, don't play politics. Don't worry about the environment. Just worry about so monetary policy. I want them to worry about the monetary policy and just focus on the economy You think itself. a recession is preferable to, to high inflation? 
Well, I do. I think inflation is the worst thing you could ever do to an economy. Okay, so you and they, they to brought it up. Some type of, of slowdown, yes. growth you, slowdown. Well, you have to. You, that I might mean, help in 2024, anyway. So, look, I'm not playing politics. I, I, I want to get this economy back on track, but you cannot sustain yourself with inflation. You, the number one goal, what I see from the Fed, is they got to tackle inflation. That is their mission. That's what they should do. But they missed the opportunity. What else can we do about that? We can stop the runaway spending when government, when it comes to inflation, we've got billions of dollars sitting out there. We had um, runaway spending when it came to the pandemic. There's money that hasn't even be, been spent that's sitting there that we can bring back in. We increased domestically what we're going. We can rein that back in as well. There is more fraud that we can find with a 1.7 trillion. If we simply made people do a budget in the House and the Senate, you know, Schumer's been in power for quite some time. He's never done a real budget. He's never done appropriation process. That's where people actually have a say. When you put sh sunlight in it, what you do at the end of the day is get a much better product out. I don't want to be negative. I know you keep saying that. But, but what happened in, in, in the last election? The, the, given the state of the union that, that a lot of people felt before the election, there were some, the, the, the red wave didn't happen. Was it a red trickle? What do you attribute it to? And, well, and what does you, it say? What should Republicans looking at 2024, what should the game plan be if they want to win back of, the White House? There's a lot of places I could look at, especially from a Republican point of view. Where, where should we improve and where we didn't, okay? So if you look at the last two election cycles, those are the only times I've been leader. We've lost, the Republicans have lost the presidency. In the Senate, the Republicans lost both cycles. Governors lost, legislators lost. The only place Republicans won was in the House. Now, if you look at the House, in 2012, we had roughly 232 members. We didn't even win the popular vote, and we had a strong majority. In 2016, we had 241 members. We won the popular vote by 1%. Do you know what we won the popular vote in this election by, and we have 222 members? 3%. So what it means in redistricting that we're never going to have these big majorities again, that we're going to have it more competitive. Now, Republicans won in New York. We won both cycles in California. We won in Oregon. We won on the border. We have more women elected, more Hispanic Republicans, more black Republicans elected since um, Reconstruction. So in the House, there are places you can find positive. Now, where did we, where did we stumble? In Pennsylvania, we didn't have a, a good gubernatorial candidate in Michigan. We, I had a candidate in Pennsylvania who outperformed the Republican governor by more than 20 points and still didn't get elected, by 14 points and still get elected. Let's talk about what we can, it, the, the U.S. economy, we all want to grow the, the pie, we all want a, a vibrant economy. It's, it's, a, it's made up of private companies, private and public companies. Uh, what is the state of, of the way, uh, I, I guess Washington looks at American business right now because it's sharply divided. Now we're, we're going to hear about tripling the uh, the 1% tax on buybacks. We've got, you know, the 15% minimum corporate tax. We've got uh, just windfall profits because the oil companies made so much money and they're, uh, they're enriching executives and wealthy shareholders. There, there is an anti-business tone uh, the, in, in the ESG. country right now. There's you, ESG. You've got there's, what, what are you going to do? About, it, it's just, it, 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 if I were you, I would think it would be essential uh, to get things back on track for, for U.S. businesses. The, the reason that we're trying to kill demand with the Fed is because we're not trying to increase supply. We're not cutting taxes. We're not, uh, you know, cutting regulations. We're not opening up uh, ANWR. We're not drilling on federal lands like, like, like we We're not doing any of the supply side 
things that would actually help the economy. Is that something that... that, that yeah. it, it's one of the core things, if you look at it's our like commitment to America. It's like the only thing you should be doing. I don't, should you economy. be looking at all these investigations, going back and doing all that? Or we, should you we, be... we, we, can, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. And in Congress, you have responsibilities, You've been right? around here a long time. You know you can, right? I, I know we can. I've watched us do it before. Okay. Look, getting America to become energy independent is not only strong for our economy, it's better for the world. American natural gas is 41% cleaner than Russian natural gas. Why wouldn't we think from a perspective, if you want to think of it geopolitical, why wouldn't we want China dependent upon our natural gas for their own economy? Would the world not be safer and would we not be stronger? Why wouldn't we create more American jobs at the same time? Where Democrats have failed time and again is when they pick one form of energy instead of all. Every study will tell you we need to double every form of energy we have now. And what we're finding, and look, I live in California, so I lived through this problem, right? I've watched Gavin Newsom shrink the production of California oil by 20%, 80,000 barrels, but he buys 50,000 barrels a day from Putin. I watched him shrink our grid by 9% and then tell us we can only buy electric cars, which at that moment would take 14% of the grid. Right now it's one half of 1%. Then he tells you when it gets hot, you can't charge it. This is a backwards thought. I've watched government go into regulation with this new majority. I watched him go after business. I watched him bring ESG. This all has to be reined back. We now have to allow business to perform themselves, which would make America stronger, make our economy better, take care of our supply chain. What we've watched Democrats also do is take away these work requirements. And when you take away the work requirements, they incentivize people to stay home, which gave you part of inflation and wages, which gave you a part of a supply chain problem, the people productivity. So there's a lot of areas that we can be successful in that you might not see it as a big, big bill passing, but will be fundamental to the basics of work in America that will get us more productive, make us stronger, make us more energy independent, and I think the future to be much brighter. The, uh, let's talk China. Yes. We've got about a, a minute and a half left, but this is just the latest salvo, if you will. And, and was that, have they done it before? Do you know? Do you have any clarity on whether that you know, really I'll, happened? I'll, I'll have a Gang of Eight meeting this week. I, I think when they say they've done it before, they're trying to spin this weekend. Because when they're saying they've, they say that they've done it before, they're, they're now <laughs> reclassifying right. that maybe that was a blue. Why'd they, no Why'd they do it this time? And what does it mean about our, our relations and, and, and for business that all of our multinationals that do business in China? What does it mean for them? Look, what does it mean for Taiwan? Well, what it means for Taiwan, you should look to Ukraine. I mean, it is no, it is no secret that that China has changed their posture with America. It is no secret that you've watched time and again what President Xi has done when he changed his constitution and put himself in again. There's no difference of what he's gone after companies, American companies in there. So the idea that we thought decades ago putting him in the World Trade Organization, they were just going to change and be like us, that's long gone. That is why one of my first actions was to create the Select Committee on China. It's not from a military point of view, but it's from an economic point of view. A place where Washington has failed the American public is a flip-flop on the policy of China. And China thinks in thousands of years, and we think in three months. So creating a select committee on China where it's bipartisan will have one voice. 
why does China control 90% of our minerals? So we open a mine in California, but they control 95% of the processing, so we send it there. What do they do when the food supply? What do they do to our medicals? If there's anything we should have realized during the pandemic, we should not be dependent upon them. We, in the Democrats' majority, they never even looked at where the pandemic started. They gave China a pass. That no longer can be the case. You cannot allow, I don't care if it's China or any other nation, to enter the sovereign airspace of America and sit and watch. That's a sign of weakness, but it goes back to what Secretary of Defense Gates has said about our president. For the last 40 years, every foreign policy decision he made has been wrong. He was late in Ukraine where it never would have started. In 2015, I was sitting with him in the situation room asking him to sell javelins to Ukraine so they couldn't come in. They're wrapping me, but we 22% of the public wants uh, a rematch of, of, the, of the last election. Um, the more you hear now, I think President Biden is going to announce, and I think he's got the backing of, of most of the Democratic establishment. I, I guess it's, I'm not sure where else they'd go at this point. What about Republicans? And, and do you expect a rematch? And would is, Look, is that I, I, what Republicans need? Is, I don't. Is I don't Donald know. If, I don't know if it's going to be a rematch, and I can't really change a presidential outcome. But I'm put in a place to be Speaker of the House, so I know what we can do now can change a lot of what the future looks in the going forward for this country. This is my focus. This is what I'm doing day in and day out. I've had one month on the job. Uh, but the one thing I've always remembered, even that it was so tough to get, my father always told me, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And that's going to be our promise to the American public. That. Well, uh, 15 tries, and, and, and here we are. And now the, the work begins. But uh, okay. everybody's pulling for you uh, on, on both sides, okay. and, and for President Biden, because we, we we're so divided, and, and we're in, you know, 70% still wrong track. We've got to get on the right track. This is what, that's exactly what I said to the President in the Oval Office. We do not we want to be in a nation that their biggest fear is their government. That's why we need to sit down, let's negotiate this out, let's make a good agreement that puts us on an economic path that makes us stronger, and maybe we can make an agreement that passes some legislation too. So don't be so negative. Okay. I'm more right. happy. Oh, would you, okay, would you have been happier that you're sitting here and, and, you, and, you, and, and you're sitting with Hakeem Jeffries as the speaker? And they're, and they're I doing, would have been happy if you would have come on today, but he turned us down. And we, well, his we, office is right there. I know. I'm it's my old office. office. It's a nice but office. You, you accepted and we appreciate it, uh, Mr. Speaker. And, and thank you. And thank God you. All right. All right. Thanks. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick, his company's potential $70 billion acquisition for Microsoft under intense regulator scrutiny. I think there's no legitimately good reason why we shouldn't have the opportunity to compete against Japanese and Chinese companies. And I think regulators in the EU, the UK, and the US will recognize that Western companies need to be able to compete. And if it doesn't go through, what happens? I think it's gonna go through. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until that presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case. Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com, designed for work. Canva. 
You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan, who is in Washington, D.C. this morning. Bobby Kotick joining us today. He's going to be joining us to talk about the earnings news from the company, Activision Blizzard's revenue beating expectations. That was thanks to blockbuster performance from its Call of Duty release ahead of the holidays. There's been a lot of questions with other companies as to whether people were still playing games again. It turns out they are, just they all were playing Call of Duty. The popularity of Call of Duty is one of the sticking points, though, in Microsoft's attempted purchase of Activision. Regulators are concerned that Microsoft would try to make future versions of the game exclusive to Xbox. Executives have been offering concessions to try and fight those concerns. In fact, they've offered to regulators to say that they will offer 10 years to Sony to say, yes, you can have this for at least 10 years coming out. Uh, By the way, this stock was down by about 4% yesterday, maybe a little more than that during the session. And it was about concerns about what the U.K. regulator might do, because the U.K. regulator is the one who really controls the cards on this. FTC is going to be saying no, and they're going to go to court over that. But there is no recall when it comes to the U.K. regulator that comes through on this, the CMA. If the CMA says no, there's really no recourse. And that's what people started getting worried about yesterday. Bobby, it's good to see you here on set. Thanks very much Thanks for having for me. In. First of all, congratulations on the numbers. I think there were a lot of questions about whether people were still playing video games or whether they were just getting back out there again. I think the answer is they were playing Call of Duty and a few other of your of your titles. They were playing Call of Duty. They were playing Candy Crush. They were Overlord. playing World of Warcraft. Um, but I still think that when you look out over the next few years and you think about the macroeconomic circumstances, that it's not clear yet how our industry and any other industry is going to fare. And so I think while we had a great quarter and a great year, I still think you have to have caution. And that's because we saw so many people lured into video games because of the pandemic, and we're still trying to sort out what their real normal back to regular behavior is? Well, I think what you'll see is as the industry has really shifted, you know, if you think about the last 10 years, games used to be played on expensive consoles and in only developed countries with middle class markets. For the last 10 years, the business has evolved to being principally on phones. And today, the biggest platforms are Apple phones and Android phones. And so those are much more accessible. So I think what you're going to see is people will be playing games. They're mainly for free. And the question is, how much premium content will they consume? And that I don't think we really know. But I think the good news is that the industry has largely evolved from a business that was about these specialized devices to these very broad appeal devices. It's interesting that you kind of put it in that light because all of the regulators in the United States, in the EU, in the UK are looking at this deal and I think they're looking at it from the prism of the consoles and, and whether it's going to be fair competition if Microsoft is allowed to go ahead and purchase Activision Blizzard. Yeah, look, I think there haven't been any transactions. so whether it's the FTC or the CMA or the EU, they, they don't know our industry. So they're, they're trying to come up to speed and understand the industry better. I don't think they fully appreciate that it's a free-to-play business, that the Japanese and Chinese companies dominate the industry. You look at Sony, you look at Nintendo. They have these huge libraries of intellectual property. Sony is Sony Studios. It goes back, you know, 80 years. Nintendo has the very best characters that exist in video games. And I think they are a little bit confused about where competition is today. The best companies in the world right now are companies like Tencent and ByteDance. And you know these are companies that all have protected markets. We're 
we've struggled to enter the Japanese market. We can't enter the Chinese market without a joint venture partner. And so the competition actually isn't European companies, American companies. It's really those companies in Japan and China. The New York Times had a story this week, though, questioning whether UK regulators would actually allow this to go through. And the big deal on this is if the CMA in the UK says no, there isn't an appeals process like there is in the United States. With the FTC, uh, Microsoft can go ahead and say, we'll take this to court, and they may actually win. If the CMA in the UK says no, that may be the end of the line. Well, you look at the UK and you think about the you know, post-Brexit UK, it's probably the first country where you're seeing a recession. And like the real uh, severe uh, consequences of recession. If you're the UK, and you have an incredibly educated workforce, you have a lot of technical talent, places like Cambridge where the best AI and machine learning is, I would think you'd want to embrace a transaction like this where you're going to see job creation and opportunity. And it really isn't at all about whether it's Sony or Microsoft's platform. It's really about the future of technology. And you know, they, they've said now for last year, I think, Rishi Sunak has said they'd like to be the Silicon Valley of, uh, of Europe or of the continent. And if deals like this can't get through, they're not going to be Silicon Valley. They'll be Death Valley. Uh, can you play armchair sort of psychologist? Uh, there's an op-ed. Lena Khan chalks up another defeat. This is uh, the Wall Street Journal this morning. Uh, this is in regard to uh, Meta's acquisition of Within Limited, or Within Unlimited, I should say. Is your sense, I mean, she has been trying to rewrite, if you will, the antitrust laws and how much you think that goes into the thinking um, versus what might be described as sort of traditional antitrust practices in this case. Look, I think it's an admirable objective if you are trying to curtail the power of companies for sensible purposes. But to just make blanket statements about big companies having outsized influence and doing everything you can to eliminate big companies that isn't an ideology that is rooted in what's made America successful. Other related sort of console market question. So uh, the Sorkin boys now uh, play Xbox on a Samsung TV that has no console, as you know. And so the question is whether you think long term Sony, Nintendo, everybody who's in the console business will be living on some chip in a TV that eliminates the console unto itself. Here's what I would say. The, over the next 10 years, you'll see, as we've started to see over the last 10 years, every device with a microprocessor and a display will have the ability to support games. And you know, you've already seen Android phones and Apple phones that can broadcast to a big screen. So you don't necessarily need a dedicated console to be able to have a great game experience. And I think that's, so, you know, Microsoft's business model since the 1980s is sell their software right. on every single hardware. But 10 years from now, will there be consoles, do you think? Or do you think the console business sort of just is eliminated by sort of folks who do this? And I, look, it, the Xbox, on the, by the way, for those who are playing at home, it works, but it's not the experience, I would say, and my sons would say this, not as good as having a console. Well, here's yet. what I would say. I think you're going to see PCs continue to have a lot of momentum. Um, the customization opportunity is something that players love. I think you probably see dedicated game consoles, but they'll become an increasingly smaller part of the overall market. And you look at phones, the power of phones is extraordinary. And we've gone from 
tens of millions of customers to hundreds of millions of customers just because of the popularity of phones. The other thing that's happened with gaming is that gaming used to be for, you know, since 1985 when I started making games, the, the business was very much a solitary experience. You played, you know, maybe there was no, one other person in the room with your Atari or Commodore, but today they're social experiences. And so all of the experience is sort of, you get the benefit of community and you have the ability to connect with people in a social environment that's rooted right. in joy and in fun. That is gonna happen across all devices. Bobby, what, what do you think happens? I mean, we're looking at the stock trading at 73.56. It was down four plus percent yesterday as people worried about whether the CMA was going to say no to the deal. Traded up uh, better than 2% after the earnings came out better than expected and is up even higher now. Do you think this deal goes through because the deal is $95, we're at 73. It's an arbitrage play. I do. I think there's no legitimately good reason why we shouldn't have the opportunity to compete against Japanese and Chinese companies. And I think regulators in the EU, the UK, and the US will recognize that Western companies need to be able to compete. And if it doesn't go through, what happens? I think it's gonna go through, so. Is the company okay to stand by itself if it doesn't though? I mean, look, our, we have $12 billion on the balance sheet. We have a lot of momentum, but I really do think there's not any good reason why it shouldn't go through. Okay, harder question, maybe, marginally, related though. Jim Cramer just yesterday was on our air and he effectively said he thought the company would actually be worth more if the deal didn't happen. Now, I'm not sure I would uh, uh, take that, but uh, you're, you're sitting right here. What do you think? I think 98% of our shareholders voted for this transaction, so they believe it's in the best interest of the shareholders. And that's what you want to? Look, I think this is a great opportunity for our company. We have the ability to get access to people and talent and technology that we otherwise wouldn't easily have access to. And I think that's gonna allow us to continue to make great games. And it's the greatest challenge we face right now is how do you find talent in machine learning, in uh, AI, in data analytics, in user experience and user interface. Microsoft has an incredible pipeline of talent. So we can still grow, but we'll accelerate the growth uh, as a part of Microsoft. The deal is supposed to be done by the end of the June quarter or, or somewhere into July, the middle of July. July 18th. The, July 18th is the deadline for it. If the FTC goes ahead, if you wind up in court with that and it stretches past that, what, what, what then happens? Look, there are a lot of different alternatives, but we're focused on figuring out how to close the deal by uh, July. If the deal does happen, do you see a wave of consolidation happening in the gaming space? So for years, for the past decade, we all would talk and report about different people talking to, to you know, big media companies who wanted to own gaming companies. Even just in the last year, a parent company of art, uh, this network Comcast, reports about talks with EA and others. Do you think that then the, the floodgates open? What do you think happens? Um, Look, to effectively compete against these Japanese and Chinese companies, there is going to need to be more consolidation. It's an incredibly fragmented business. You know, $200 billion industry with very few companies that have meaningful market share. And so I think you probably see more consolidation. What do you think about the big platforms? You talked about Apple and Android and sort of how much power and influence they have over gaming. Because one of the things that's happened right now is there's even a big fight going on between if you, if you join up with Microsoft, you, you'll be feeling it every day with, my, with, with Apple as to can you have a cloud service that basically sells lots of different games versus have to have each game as an individual sort of approved program. 
on iOS, for example? Yeah, I mean, Microsoft's business model for history has been selling software on Apple hardware. So whether it's you know the Apple the Windows operating system, which you can operate on Apple hardware, or any of the application software, you know, will be Microsoft will support Apple in every way. I think the real question is, are consumers going to have the ability to have the direct purchasing capability from the provider of the content, or is it going to be just that limited purchase opportunity through the Apple Store or through Google Play? And I think you'll see, and if I were the FTC, what I would be spending more time on is how do you ensure pricing is, uh, is the most advantageous to consumers? I think until on Apple or Android you have the ability to have alternative stores, you're probably not going to see improvement in opportunities for pricing. Bobby, there was an SEC settlement that was announced, I believe, on Friday. It's a $35 million fine. The company is not admitting or denying wrongdoing when it comes to claims that the company violated federal whistleblower protections and failed to maintain adequate disclosure standards at uh, workplace conduct. What, what do you say? Do you have any comment on what happened with it? Yeah, that, it was a very amicable settlement. The SEC made some great suggestions on improvements that we can make to our employment agreements and they made some good suggestions on systems and uh, processes that we could add and uh, you know it, w it was a very straightforward settlement. Bobby, I want to thank you for your time, for being with us today. Great to see you. And uh, we hope to see you again soon. person, no less. Thank you guys very much for having me. Bobby Kotick. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, let us know. Send us a tweet at Squawk, CNBC is our handle, or tell a friend to listen. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. And we are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.